Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a Walk in the Park podcast. This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a Walk in the Park podcast. This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. preview in this episode we talk about why we wanted to start this podcast then we talk about how Riss has been spending her free time lately which is watching the impeachment proceedings (laughs) yeah we spend the podcast basically talking about that and then a little bit at the end about the democratic candidates a smidge not too much I said proceedings because I have a hard time saying inquiry inquiry it's a hard word to say. It can be. But so regardless, I just said proceedings. Yeah. We hope so people you know. listen and enjoy, right? Yeah. But this is a rough one, guys. Only listen if you care about politics. If you don't, don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. Here we are again. We've been doing this podcast for quite some time now, Riss, I think. A long time. I'd have to go back and look. But it is now November 2019. We definitely... Maybe a year and a half? Has it really been that long? I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Fact check. Fact check. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So before we launch into this episode, I just wanted to remind everybody why we do what we do why do we why we do what we do (laughs) well and i started thinking about this because i was listening to um kristen meisner's book so you want to start a podcast right and kristen shared that uh one of the things that you might ask yourself is why do you want to start a podcast? 
And so you and I had that conversation a while ago, and this is what I've decided is the official reason. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because Kristen says you can't want to start a podcast because you think that you're funny and crack each other up. (laughs) Well, that just... That was the whole thing. (laughs) No, but really remember it wasn't. Because as we've shared with people before, you and I, our um, children, happened to be at the local area park at the same time one evening a week. And when we realized that, you and I decided we would walk the loop. And we happened to be talking a lot about politics at the time because it was just very tumultuous Times. Oh, that's right. And you okay. said, we should start a podcast. Right. So I feel that this is officially why we started a podcast. And you can laugh along the way. Oh, okay. As Good. You Thank God. Right? Because we can still crack each other up. Yeah. It's not our official reason for starting a podcast. Not official. So why did Marissa and Babs want to start a podcast? Talking about ourselves in the third person. We felt we could help show the country how someone who voted for Hillary, Babs, and someone who voted for Trump, Risk, could coexist, be friends, and talk politics with each other without getting offended by the other person. We felt we could be relatable and entertaining, and we felt a podcast was the best way to tell our story. People have to hear the interactions between us. Because, like, why did we start a podcast instead of, like, a blog? Right, right. Or, I don't know, what else would people with no professional experience and or support do besides a podcast or a blog? Are we missing anything? Public speaking? Public speaking. Protesting? Protesting, oh my God. Oh, who is our show for? This is who I am saying it's for. Who is it for? Who is it for? I'm going to tell you right now. Our podcast is primarily targeted for Generation Xers like us. Hmm. Maybe Millennials. It's for people who care about a range of current events, including politics, and can handle hearing views and opinions with which they might not agree. And it might also be part dream audio diary, just for me and Riss. <laughs> there you go. Why would I call it a dream audio diary, though? Dream That's audio weird, diary? That's right? Hmm. I don't know. This is me practicing a script. Decide what your show is about. Our show is about friends and how they relate living in a fractured and broken society. Is it really? Yeah. Well, I think so. Do you? No. I don't think it's fractured. Fractured? Or broken. What? All the hate? All the hate mongering? I don't hate you. Well, of course you don't hate me and I don't hate you. I think that's the fringe. I don't think that's... That's most everyone, people. most people. They just There's get not most attention. Yeah, and politics always revs people up, but doesn't mean they hate one another. Feels like they do, though. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, that's true. In a walk in the park, two friends explore how they relate to one another on a range of topics, including politics, pop culture, sports, and, of course, wine. Wow, living in a fractured and broken society. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to come up with something else. You're not on board with this fractured and broken no. society. Okay, so that's probably all that I wanted to share. Kristen has a lot more to say in her book, but I just felt it would be a good reminder, like why of do we the do why why do we do those things we do? Because this is the segue. I'm shining the spotlight on you now, oh. the podcast spotlight. Because at the time of this recording, we are in the midst of an impeachment inquiry. Oh yeah, the House of Representatives 
has opened an impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump for a variety of things at this point. But originally, uh, his July 25th call with President, I believe, Zelensky Mm -hmm. of the Ukraine Mm -hmm. and his, I think at this point, self-admitted that he talked about Biden. The Biden's on the call. But anyway, you have been watching a lot of this. And yes, and now I feel bad because I didn't really take notes. Oh, but you I, don't have to take notes because remember, there'll be a follow-up. So Yeah, but it was very interesting. This is more just your I think I, I liked it because it was a little bit of a circus. For when only not for when the people were speaking. Well, but so you're so just explain you've been watching the impeachment hearings yes. on television. T- on yes. TV. Okay. So I was lucky enough to watch them from the beginning in terms of like every day when they would open up the the process. Okay. So that was very interesting. And you and I had talked about it very briefly when that one senator we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> When that one senator had something Drove to me say. Crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that woman. Oh god. Um, because I didn't understand that. And that's that's that that's probably the uh, all right, there's so much to talk about. But anyway. <laughs> so I was able to watch it from mostly from beginning to end with random uh carpool driving here and there <laughs> that actually took me away from watching the full in, 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 inquiries. But it was interesting to watch the process of mm-hmm. how um, a, a senator shift, right? Is that what he is? No, wait. No, because they're that? all con- everybody. They're all Congress people. Right, right, right. Yeah. So um, how he he opens it up and that he has to he has to speak, and then what happens is um, what is known as uh, his official title. He's the minority. He's the minority Republican leader. So he's the leading minority person on, on the House Intelligence House Committee? House Intelligence okay. Committee. So and then he gets his opening remarks, <laughs> and then they give the floor to whoever the um, witness is, as, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's what they are, witnesses. And yeah. so this isn't a trial, and everybody, I don't think, I don't know how many people understand that it's not a trial. Right, that the trial will happen in the Senate if, in fact, fact. Trump is impeached. So I think this is like a grand jury investigation. Like, you're literally gathering and seeing, do you have enough evidence, evidence to bring it to trial? Correct. That's what I equate it to. That's but. exactly what it is. So then you get the witness who gives their opening speech. And that can be anywhere. I mean, they these weren't like... Two-minute speeches. <laughs> These were like twenty-minute speeches, like long, like yes. really long, because they what they have to do is prove to you who they are, yeah, what they do, yep. how they served, yep. what when they started serving. So one person, you know, who was on, a witness was uh, in the military, so mm-hmm. he spoke about his service from beginning to mm-hmm. end or currently, yeah. Uh, and then there were people who, like Fiona Hill, who. Um, made it very clear that she was a British uh, citizen, but then became an American citizen mm-hmm. and how she served and um, how far... She had a great background. Um, her family um, actually went so far back to trace their roots to being tied in with the Washingtons, George Washington. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, it was very interesting. But she's British. She, yes, she and is. And then became And became American. an American citizen back in 2009 So she can trace... 
George Washington back to his British roots. Her roots back to Her roots to back being, to him. Yes. But before he mm-hmm. became yes. an American. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was very interesting. So she wanted to be able to prove, like, just a side note, she was trying yes. to prove her uh, validity as yes. a citizen, but how much she loved this country. Right. So the witnesses themselves, very interesting opening speeches, mm-hmm. and then they get grilled on what they heard or yeah. what they saw. And so the defense, I'll call it, like the Republicans. Yes, yes, yep. Uh, we're very quick to say, well, did were you in the room? Right. Or do you have any physical evidence? Or I did you actually in the hear? Room where it happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that took place. So there was a lot of... And then, of course, to get to the conversation you and I had, there was one Senator Stefanik, I think her name was, from New York. Republican. Well, congressperson, Congress, yes. Sorry. Because it's all... Yeah. yeah. And every time she tried to talk, Schiff right. would shut her down. Right. And then it got to a point where it was like he was using the gavel. And that was kind of fun. So there were some moments that were funny to me. Not really right. funny, but they were kind of funny. And then there were moments that actually were funny because the witnesses would say something purposely funny. Right. To make everybody else laugh and yes. kind of lighten things Diffuse. up a little bit. Yes. Um, but yeah, the Republicans made it very clear that they wanted to prove that there was no evidence pointing to uh, President Trump right. uh, obstructing justice. And of course, I think there's I think there's more to it. And I believe there are more hearings next week. Yes, I think it. I think I read because I, unlike you, I am not. Um, I don't have the tolerance to watch cringeworthy, in my opinion. Oh television. no, it was, it was a live. Re, it was this was reality television. I, yeah, at its best. I cannot. I cannot watch that. It just makes me cringe. And it's, this is not just even with politics. Like when people interview like sports figures, like after games and mm-hmm. stuff, I can't listen to that because I think the questions are so stupid and it's just so cringeworthy. And oh, yeah. No, so these... I like to get my news in print. Um, so I lose a little bit because I do think everything on television comes across as more sensationalized than it does like in the newspapers, except sometimes for headings. Like sometimes a heading in a newspaper is very like provocative or inflammatory, but then you read the article right. and it's not right. that. I mean, because the newspapers, they're reporting. And so they actually try to present, you know, I think a complete picture. And I think when you watch it on television, you get a different set of emotions involved. And I don't think I process information very objectively probably (laughs) if I watch it on TV because I did try to watch I had recorded like the first day I think and so I listened to Congressman Schiff give his opening Mm -hmm. statement which was you know he's not a very dynamic person no uh in my (laughs) viewing of him he looks like an egg yeah so but I mean he just you know he was just very matter-of-factly reading his statement and then Nunez comes on Mm -hmm. and I just you know I can't help like the people who are accusing a circus as they're behaving like the ringmaster themselves like he's using all this like ridiculous language yeah like metaphors and analogies and all this stuff and i'm like dude you are such a joke like or it's fine if that's who you want to be own it 
but don't go accusing the Democrats who are sitting there reading in monotone of <laughs> being like, okay, you can disagree with what they're saying, but that doesn't, right. I mean, you're at the beginning of the process. Right. So who are you performing for? Like, <laughs> Oh, he's having fun. So I am... Um, he wasn't the only one. I just can't remember all their names. Oh, I know. Well, so yes, the woman you were just talking about, the congresswoman, and that she kept trying to speak and Schiff kept interrupting her. And it was because Nunez was trying to yield his time to her right. and that was not allowed under the rules. Correct. So, which he knew. So okay. he was just doing that because he wanted to create a scene, right. in my opinion. I just wish that Schiff had explained, like, why... Because he just kept saying, like, you're not recognized or something. And then Nunez goes to make his little, I can't believe you're gagging the woman from wherever she's from. And he's like, this part did make me laugh. And I don't know if he was trying to be funny. Like, he's looking straight forward. You know, Nunez is, like, either looking forward or kind of looking at him. And he just... Schiff just deadpans, you are recognized. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I just wish he had said something, though. I wish he had said, you know, Representative Nunez, as you know, under the rules of this Mm -hmm. inquiry, you are not allowed to yield time. He did, actually, a couple times. He he did? Yeah, he did. Oh, I didn't see that part. Because I was watching, like, kind of, I saw it caught snippets of it. Oh, no, he explained to Oh, he did? Okay. And they just didn't like that. Yeah. And she kept saying, why? And he's like, because those are the rules. (laughs) The rules that were agreed upon. Yeah, that's true. He explained every article, every... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Excuse me. When it came down to it, he was very... uh, He was going by the rules, and they just didn't want to play by the rules. Oh, interesting. Or at least they were pushing it just enough so that they could show their their own constituents that they were trying to fight it. Well, and it is interesting because, I mean, the reality is the majority... The party that controls the majority gets to make the rules. Right. Okay, sure, yeah, so you don't like that. Well, that's just the way life is. Right. You know, when the Republicans opened their impeachment inquiry into Bill Clinton, they got to make the rules. Right. Um, were they complaining back then that they got to make the rules? Mm-hmm. I sure. doubt they were. Well, so, you know, it's right. like well, everybody just remember, you know, your, your complaints when you're in the minority – are the same as the other party's complaints when they're in the minority. Sure. And we just really don't need to hear your whining. Sure. So, shut the hole that makes the words. <laughs> and I will say to end this part of the, or this part, whatever, just that <laughs> I think that the Thursday's witnesses were far better than the other witnesses that had stepped forward well if i were the democrats i would be starting with my weakest and getting stronger and stronger the only things i've heard of and i'm behind in my reading so um but if you've experienced something different i'd be curious to hear about it was so there was the military yes um what was it was he a lieutenant colonel yes okay his name is hill was it no um i think it started with like a v or something But what I heard is that the Republicans were very disrespectful to him in their questioning and were, like, disrespectful of his military rank, his military experience, like, we're calling him a traitor. Or... I just remember people were like, this is how you treat people in the military if they don't agree with you? 
but the segments that I saw, they were not disrespectful. Okay, so that'd be something interesting. They I, and I didn't feel like they were questioning his military background or his service to this country. Okay, I think they were more or less questioning how he saw things, or if they if the things he saw or heard were questionable and why did he bother or things like that. But it, okay. I don't feel like they were. Not that what I saw. Okay. Yeah. I All don't right. think they were being disrespectful because they kept saying thank you for your service. Okay. We appreciate you. So Riss and I got a bit bogged down in who exactly it was that was testifying. And the gentleman's name was Alexander Vindman. And he was a lieutenant colonel. Uh, he's a national security official. And he testified before the House Intelligence Committee and he's still active duty. He was born in Kiev and his family moved to Brooklyn in 1979 when he was three. And he testified in a closed door session um, about the July 25th call between Trump and Zelensky. And he reported it to the NCS's lead counsel because he thought it was inappropriate. And then what I was referencing is what some were reporting as scurrilous attacks, mainly from Trump's media chorus, as the New Yorker characterizes it, um, and that his public testimony also came under assault by prominent Republican politicians. So the New Yorker reported it as follows, quote, in an open letter to the GOP, members of the House Intelligence Committee, Senator Ron Johnson, the head of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, suggested that Vindman perhaps fits the profile of bureaucrats who have never accepted President Trump as legitimate and react by leaking to the press and participating in the ongoing effort to sabotage his policies and, if possible, remove him from office. That was a quote uh, from the letter. And then on uh, Republican Douglas Collins, who is the ranking member, GOP member of the House Judiciary Committee, also sent a letter expressing concerns regarding Vindman's credibility and judgment. Um, He testified in his full army regalia with his Purple Heart that he received after being wounded outside Fallujah in 2004, pinned to his breast and two gold epaulets on his shoulder. He began by saying, quote, I've dedicated my entire professional life to the United States of America, end quote. Then he ran through a chronology of the Ukraine scandal beginning in April 2019 when he, quote, became aware of two disruptive actors, primarily Ukraine's then prosecutor general, Yuri Litsenko, and former Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, President Trump's personal attorney, promoting false information that undermined the United States-Ukraine policy, end quote. He went on to explain that he reported the July 25th phone call, quote, out of a sense of duty, end quote, because it was, quote, improper for the president of the United States to demand a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen and political opponent. Uh, He does think that uh, certain members of the committee who have been called to testify um, have been the subject of vile character attacks and... Let's see. He said he was grateful for the privilege of being an American citizen and a public servant. 
Then he read out his closing paragraph, quote, Dad, my sitting here today in the U.S. Capitol talking to our elected officials is proof that you made the right decision 40 years ago to leave the Soviet Union and come here to the United States of America in search of a better life for our family. Do not worry. I will be fine for telling the truth. End quote. Okay, let's see. Just a little bit more on that. Um... It says here, as reported, uh, that Republican efforts to disparage him and question his loyalty did not, um, he was not spared from that. Devin Nunez, the ranking Republican on the committee, asked him whether he had discussed the July 25th call with any members of the media or accessed the computer of a colleague without the person's knowledge and approval. In neither instance did Nunez provide any basis for his questions, which Vindman answered in the negative. The sole goal of these inquiries, it seemed, was to provide a soundbite or viral video for Trump-supporting media outlets. Nunez also asked Vindman to test to identify an unnamed intelligence officer he had briefed about the July 25th call as part of his duty to coordinate interagency policy. This was a blatant attempt to tie the witness to the anonymous intelligence whistleblower who has been identified in the press reports as a CIA officer with access to the White House and perhaps an initial effort to get Vindman to identify the whistleblower outright. outright. The effort to undermine Vindman didn't stop there. In response to questions from Stephen Castor, the Republican staff counsel, Vindman confirmed that Alexander Danluk, the Ukrainian national security advisor, had offered him the job of defense minister in the new Ukrainian government. Vindman said he rebuffed the offer, which was made in the presence of two other U.S. officials and subsequently reported the interaction to his superiors. Uh, he told the Daily Beast that the offer was a joke, quote, I'm an American, end quote. I came here when I was a toddler and I immediately dismissed these offers. I did not entertain them. Um, anywho, that's just one um, clarification, albeit from a source that is um, more inclined to lean left. Um If you look at the New York Post, their title about his testimony is Alexander Vindman condemned himself in his impeachment testimony. And of course, the New York Post is known for being um, on the more conservative end of the spectrum. And it starts its article by saying the commander in chief ought to fire Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who serves in the National Security Council for rank insubordination. That is the key takeaway from Tuesday's hearings and the Democratic impeachment push. So you can see uh, that at least the Trump media doesn't seem to have much respect for Alexander Vindman or his service to this country. They claim he was unreliable and had questionable judgment, uh, untrustworthy, And this article basically goes on to disparage uh, Vindman. So, serenity now, serenity now. I mean, I don't see how you can... Well, all right, I'll just reserve my opinions. That's the insert here. Other thing I had heard was that when the former ambassador to the Ukraine, Marie, I'm going to butcher her last name, it's like Yovanovitch or something. Yeah. Um, when she was testifying, like Trump was tweeting. Yeah. 
and kind of being like, um, oh, they and they were reading the tweets and were reading the tweets Uh and asking her like, do you think he's trying to intimidate you? I did think it was interesting. One thing I read, they said Representative Liz Cheney from Wyoming. So I assume this is the Liz Cheney, who is the lesbian daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney. Correct. Which I just loved that when his daughter came out as a lesbian. I mm-hmm. that made me very happy. That, yeah, you know, because uh, it just seems so fitting. Like every Republican, every staunch Republican should have several uh, LGBTQ members right. in their family. Right. Frankly, <laughs> just to open their eyes. LGBTQ plus. Sure, plus yes. Yeah, I think there's a new symbol at the end. There There is a plus at the end, yes. So the one little quote I read from her was, she said, yeah, I don't think the president should have done that, the tweeting. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, okay, what else? What else have I heard so far about the the impeachment inquiry? Um, Well, and I've told you just my general theory as well is that Whatever party or person affiliated with a party is on the defense, mm-hmm. it's just so stupid to obstruct justice and or lie because then that's what you're going to get impeached on. That's right. what Bill Clinton was impeached on. And I absolutely do think that there is evidence to suggest that at the very least, Trump can already be impeached on obstruction of justice. Just from what I've heard, like he's telling the administration not to cooperate. He's not answering it would, subpoenas. A lot of I still feel is hearsay. Uh, yes, we talked about hearsay. Right. Doesn't mean hearsay is hearsay is not invalid evidence. There are just certain situations, like for example, if you're going to send somebody to death in a criminal trial. We're not going to do it on hearsay. This is not, this is a proceeding in the House of Representatives. So I'm not even sure to what extent the federal rules of evidence apply here. Right, and that's but, what the Republicans are fighting. This is like, well, you over, did you overhear? What was the context of right. the conversation? That's what they're trying to prove. Which, I mean, you could... Well, and I told you I hated in law school. Like, this was the biggest pain in the butt because there are, like, 20-plus exceptions to the hearsay rule. Right. And it's only hearsay if it's offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted. So sometimes you enter something into evidence just to prove that somebody was in the room. Like, whatever that was said... You're not trying to assert that that was true, necessarily, but if you heard this said, mm-hmm. then that meant, like, right. you could be like, well, yeah, you were there. But again, the, I mean, the Republicans can, like, blah, 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 hearsay all they want, but unless they're a lawyer, I bet they don't fully appreciate what it means. And even when you are a lawyer, like I said, there are, like, so many exceptions so yes so okay so you're enjoying following the process and I'm looking forward to it you've been helping explain to people because we've talked about how I think a lot of people in this country don't understand that what the house is doing is um this isn't a trial it's not a trial they are holding hearings to determine whether there's anything to impeach the president on right if they impeach him which again they can impeach him on obstruction of justice so not cooperating with this inquiry um perjury then it just gets referred to the Senate. The Senate has to have a trial. 
And as Mitch McConnell is already on the record of saying, he's like, I find it highly unlikely that we will remove the president if there's a trial in the Senate. So really, I mean, the utility of this proceeding, though, is to show people, I think, what is happening that maybe we're not aware of. Because remember, I mean, but for this whistleblower, we wouldn't have heard about this call. And then... Once they realized that there was a whistleblower complaint, then they started moving the call to different servers to try to hide it. Mm. Then at some point, Trump admits that he had the call and that he talked about the Bidens. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, some Republicans are like, well, so what if he did? It doesn't matter. Right. Um, And it's like, well, that's actually one of the most important things the founding fathers put into the Constitution. Why do you think they started a new country and didn't want any interference from Britain? Right. Like tyranny, uh, like that's not what this yeah. country is about. And also he wasn't doing it for anything to do with national security. He was using, he was abusing the power of the president to try to benefit himself personally, specifically yes. his reelection campaign. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, this guy might be my opponent. Let's, you know, go after them and see. And of course I'm thinking, I'm like, well, But again, it was Hunter Biden, the son, who sat on this board or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, if you want us to hold children's things against them, Donald, then I guess we can just keep looking into your children some more. Right. As well. So if you don't want people digging into your kids and holding it against you, then maybe you don't get to do the same. I just wish that some more Republicans would step forward and... Um, call this out for what it is. It's bad, I think. And who cares? Like, I don't even know. Fine, the Republicans have glommed on to Trump because he's convenient for them. But, I mean, hasn't it been established that it's not like he's a lifelong Republican? He basically ran as a Republican because he knew the Democrats would never nominate him. Correct. So he's like, let me pick the party. Right. Where I can get the nomination. Right. So, because I mean, really, obviously, when he ran, there was no incumbent. Obama was, you know. Yeah. Had served his two terms. And even at that point, Biden wasn't running. So it was just a completely open field on both sides. Yeah. And people have said, it's like, um, yeah, no, Trump has been a registered Democrat in his life. He's voted Democrat. Absolutely. He used to fund Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, he invited. He they were invited to his wedding to Melania. Remember? <laughs> My God. Um, anyway, it's just funny. So, I mean, but that's Trump, the master persuader. He's like, which party can I more um, manipulate more? Right. And I just don't know why more Republicans aren't distancing themselves to try to reclaim the party. I always tell my friends, my Republican friends, I'm like, where have all the John McCain Republicans gone? Yeah. Like the people that actually cared about having a president who was worthy of respect. Like, remember back when Clinton was running, what a big deal it was that he hadn't served in the military? Yeah. Now nobody cares anymore. Right. I mean, it's yeah, just it's true. fascinating Yeah. Um, to me. Just like, Although you know, it is coming up, I mean, in, in the debates uh, that, you know, Peter Buttigieg had, yes. had, had served mm-hmm. and Tulsa. Gaybird. Is that how you say her name? I don't know. Oh, yeah. She served. Well, Klobuchar. Klobuchar right? did not serve. She didn't? Yes, she did. No, I think her father did. 
All right, we've got to look that up because okay. I'm pretty sure. I'll write it down. She did. Um, okay, but <clears throat> I would trust. She's your girl, so I would trust that you would know more. But is I mean, is Buttigieg the only person in the field? No, uh, like I said, oh the other okay, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I did read something that was interesting because they're talking about you know how Pete Buttigieg gets a lot of you know he's a Rhodes Scholar Mm -hmm. and this that and the other thing and really Cory Booker was also a a Rhodes Rhodes Scholar scholar, but they don't really right mention it so it's like oh yeah that is kind of interesting um but yeah it's just fascinating to me like i mean also just the fact that they republicans would like vote for somebody who i mean it's probably the equivalent of a draft dodger basically if his number was called would have bought his way out of serving his country don't really know what you stand for unless it's just seeing which system you think works best for you Right. As opposed to, like, what might be best for the greater good or what might even just be more in line with what you say is important to you. But I guess the other reality is, too, although now, since we have been at war for 17 years or so now, um, yeah, those are the now there are people, people with more military service, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, a think, a period of time where a lot of people who are running, they just didn't have military I mean, there was no, right. you know, active <clears throat> war wasn't. But yes, I just, I just like to understand. That's what I want to know. I want to know why people choose to vote the way they do. Because what issue is most important to you? And well, do you yeah. vote on a combination of issues? Do you weigh and balance things? And this goes for either party. Or do you just vote based on what your most important issue is? Right. Like you might not agree with everything else that the candidate or the mm-hmm. president whoever your representative but you're like well but this is their stance on this and that's my most important thing right yeah and i'd be curious like well that's why i don't people... agree with polls because if they're just not polling, nuanced enough they're so nuanced that you get what you want to hear out of them oh interesting and that's why i don't agree with polls because i want to know who's doing the polling well yes there are certain ones that are probably more <clears> reputable <throat> too than others but yeah polling data even or polling procedure because you're only getting a certain number of people and then you're extrapolating when i was and in they college, change every week so it's just like <laughs> when i was in college well we yeah there's a whole separate thing but when i was in college i would sometimes do work because my college had the marist institute of public opinion oh and we would do and you know of course so back in the 90s you'd literally be making phone calls right. to people <laughs> i think i remember one of my races, I was doing a New York City mayor race. It was David Dinkins and someone else. And yeah. Rudy Giuliani. It was Rudy Giuliani. I can't believe I blocked that out. Oh my God. Rudy Giuliani. Serenity now. I had to call and like get the polls. But that, I mean, that mayor institute Dinkins. has a good right. reputation. Um, and I mean, there are others too. But yeah, you got to look at how the poll data is collected the AJC had an interesting poll recently I wish I had kept it um it was about Trump and his performance um and maybe maybe a couple maybe like Governor Kemp too and but the choices were just very like god it was like beyond it was like you know the multiple like somewhat disagree disagree right, neutral, right, right. like but they had some other way of wording it and i was like oh this is so interesting 
But yeah, I mean, when I did my undergraduate, one of my majors was communications. And part of that was like, how do you write the questions and the choices? Because that can influence right. the outcome. So, yes. But this is why we started this whole podcast, right, Riz? Oh, yeah. Because... To get down to it. To, to figure out... And get the info. The political sadness. <laughs> Insight. Insight. Sorry, that's right. Insight. <laughs> and this fractured and broken. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, that's good enough for, you know. I think that's the first enough. part. Yeah, the first part. There's clearly some things we're going to have to dig into. Absolutely. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs> you don't wanna, know. It doesn't want to stop, Russ. Look, I'm trying to press the stop button. It doesn't work. Oh. Just wants us to keep going. And we're back. Hello. <laughs> I would just like to give you um, what I looked up, uh, who the witnesses are to the impeachment proceedings. Who have testified so who far. Who have testified so far. And I think I should be able to get a guide on who is going to testify. Ooh. And just so you know, I'm citing Axios website. I don't even know who they are, but it seems, based on my knowledge of having watched, it seems pretty <laughs> accurate. Hopefully these are facts that can be presented, you know, right. accurately. So yeah. we've had Ambassador Bill Taylor. He was the top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine. He says it was his clear understanding that Trump would not release military aid to Ukraine until its president promised to conduct the investigations Trump wanted. Now, wait, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. He is the current ambassador. Uh, he replaced Marie Yovanovitch, who yes. was removed in May of this year, May 2019, yes. by Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the current ambassador to the Ukraine is Bill Taylor. Yes. And he has, Trump appointed him, and he has testified that Trump withheld military aid until, or was making, trying to make it contingent on the investigations. The investigations. Okay. Correct. Interesting. Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent, he says Trump wanted Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to go to the microphones and say investigations, Biden and Clinton. So he's current at right now. He's the Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent. Of what, though? Deputy Assistant Secretary of... Don't say. Okay. Hmm. He seemed pretty on it. He was good to listen to. Um, testif- just uh, also former Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch, mm-hmm. the former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine. She says she was pushed out over unsubstantiated allegations that she was critical of Trump and didn't want Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden and his son. I did hear, I read somewhere that Trump was upset because he said she refused to hang his picture in the embassy. Oh, I don't know if that's, that's true, hilarious. but I read it and okay. it is hilarious. Well, good for her. <laughs> Okay, Jennifer Williams. She is uh, an aide to Vice President Mike Pence on detail from the State Department. She was on the July call between Trump and Zelensky and said she had concerns with the political nature of the call. Um, so she's currently on loan to the State Department? Mm-hmm. 
does that mean that she perhaps was forced out of Vice President Pence's office for expressing her concerns? I wonder. Probably. I think she was. Interesting. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. This is the guy that I was reading, I think, that they had attacked. Yes. You're saying you didn't see that, but that's what I had. Okay. A decorated war veteran and the National Security Council's top Ukraine expert. He was on the July call and says Mulvaney coordinated the plan to push Ukraine for the Biden investigations. So he was actually on the call. Yes. So his information would not be open to an accusation of hearsay. Correct. Perhaps. Mm -hmm. Since he was in the room where it happened. Correct. You never know what people are going to say anyway. Right. Yeah. Okay, next. Kurt Volkner. Or Volk, Volker, excuse me, former special envoy to the Ukraine. He describes what officials saw as Rudy Giuliani's improper role in U.S. diplomacy. Um, former National Security Council advisor Tim Morrison, he was also on the July call and says he was told directly about Trump's efforts to pressure Ukraine to political investigations. Uh, then we had uh, UE Ambassador Gordon Sondland. EU? EU. What did I say? I heard UE, but it could be my brain. No, EU. (laughs) I don't have my reading glasses on, so I apologize. Oh, yes. He revised his initial testimony to say he told a Ukrainian official that the country wouldn't get military aid unless it caved to Trump's demand. So his initial testimony was different than what he said in Mm, testifying. And his his deposition contradicted his... Yes impeachment inquiry testimony yes i also heard that this is the guy that trump said he didn't know or had never met and then there's a picture of the two of them yes. standing next together in yeah. the oval office i just he didn't remember because <laughs> oh, you know it's not that important to remember things when you're president right. regardless of your political party just please have a horrible memory and Correct. remember a little that's helpful um, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Russia, Ukrainian, and Eurasian Affairs, Laura Cooper. She says it was her understanding that Trump himself directed the freeze on aid to Ukraine and that officials raised concern after the aid was suspended. Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs, David Hale, he spoke to what many officials described as Yanovanovich's questionable removal. Um, And then we have the latest, which was former Russian aide Fiona Hill. She reported to former National Security Advisor John Bolton and says Bolton believes Sondland and acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney were cooking up a drug deal with Ukraine. That's right. The drug deal language, yes, I've heard has been bandied about as an analogy. Right. So um, now, that's the woman you liked, Fiona Hill. Yeah, yeah. and she, she, everybody did. I okay. mean, she came away as probably the best. <laughs> the star of the show. Yeah. Um, the Democrats have shown interest in having the following individuals appear, but they have rejected Congress's uh, requests. So Bolton Mulvaney, former Deputy National Security Advisor Charles Kupperman, and Acting Office of Management and Budget Director Russell Vogt. Oh, the OMB. And then the Republicans also want Hunter Biden and the whistleblower, both targets of Trump, to appear for public hearings. But an official working on the impeachment told Axios that the House Intelligence Committee said Hunter Biden and the whistleblower are absolute non-starters. We will not conduct the sham investigations the president demanded that instigated the inquiry. Well, and it's just, yeah, it's so funny, like, 
I'm sorry, the impeachment inquiry is about the actions of the president. Hunter Biden is a private citizen. Mm -hmm. Like, there's absolutely no... It's bizarre. Well, it's bizarre. And then wait, who was the other person? They wanted Hunter Biden. Oh, oh, oh. That's right, because they don't understand how whistleblower laws work and that the whistleblower is supposed to remain anonymous, and that's the whole point. And if you come forward and testify in a public hearing, well, I guess you're not anonymous anymore. Right. <sighs> My friend, Zara Karinchak, who is a current Georgia state senator for the 7th... No, I don't know what district... Sorry, I don't know what state senate district she is. She's running for... Um, the U.S. Congress seat for the 7th District, and she shared an email the other day that says, whistleblowers are patriots. And I believe her because actually whistleblower stuff is what she handles in her legal career. That's oh. her profession. Because she's a lawyer and she served in the United States Air Force. Ooh. Yeah. So she is cool. She's super cool. I she's love it. She's one of my, the coolest people I know, which is why I'm financially supporting her election campaign even though I can't vote for her because <laughs> she's not my congressperson oh right yes but that's okay because you know I I still have other people that I can vote for in congress okay thank you that was very helpful because now I have more familiarity with some of these names oh, and I will pay more attention accordingly or when I'm reading about it I'll be so oh, yeah. testimony should like begin next week again however they haven't chosen the well after Thanksgiving because they're on I'm Thanksgiving sorry, yes, break yes, now yes, yeah yes. So. so they have a full week to decide who their next star witnesses are going to be and then of course as we were discussing previously earlier in the podcast was the whole hearsay thing and I'm trying to you know recall from law school federal rules of evidence but as I've been saying I'm happy to know that I'm correct. Well, okay. I, didn't, I don't even know. Maybe I had to go to law school to know this, but I mean, basically the fact that I could differentiate that an impeachment inquiry in Congress is different from a court proceeding in the federal court system would suggest that perhaps the hearsay rules are irrelevant. And there are numerous articles on the internet that support this, but one is um, from AP News and dated November 15th, and basically it confirms the word hearsay is bandied about in legal circles all the time, and in its simplest form refers to testimony that quotes what another person said. Uh, hearsay is usually but not always inadmissible at trial, but hearsay rules are complex. I know I alluded to that many yeah. times. And many lawyers say it's problematic to dismiss the evidence presented during the impeachment inquiry with a hearsay objection. Um, and then it talks a little bit more, but, you know, Congress is not court. To begin with, Congress is not court. It's a legislative body, and it's not bound by the centuries of common law that built up the admissibility of hearsay evidence. The rules of evidence don't apply in Congress. It's a foolish analysis, said Edward McMahon, a criminal defense attorney from Middleburg, Virginia, who has handled numerous profile law, high-profile cases. He said the common law rules of evidence were not designed to deal with political hearings. Yes, so basically that was... My point, like, stop saying hearsay, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, but is it reliable evidence? And uh, he said, really, I think the argument is not that it's inadmissible, but that it's unreliable and of little weight. Um, 
Michael Davis, a law professor at George Mason University who teaches courses on admissible evidence, agreed. He said the hearsay rules have evolved over the centuries for a good reason to ensure reliable evidence and protect the ability of the accused to cross-examine witnesses. He looks at it from a trial perspective. None of this would be allowed in court. And that's fine because, again, Congress is not court. Right. But the people who are arguing, like, hearsay are trying to say it should apply here. And, okay, that's one opinion. Um, and then, <laughs> this is so funny. Okay, sorry. To me, it says hearsay is complicated. Even if one accepts the argument that Congress should observe the hearsay rules that are used in court, hearsay law is complicated. There are more than 20 exceptions to the general rule barring hearsay. That is funny. Because I, I kept saying that. Yeah. That's why it's funny. Um, but it also says, to begin with, hearsay testimony is typically permitted in preliminary hearings and grand jury proceeding, which determine whether a defendant will actually be put on trial. Hmm. So that confirms that I'm also not crazy in what I'm saying, that this is an impeachment inquiry. This is an evidence gathering. This is not the trial. And therefore, collect all the evidence you want. Yes. Uh, yes, I did say if you're going to uh, conflate and draw an analogy between this and the court system, then this would be like the grand jury. However, grand jury proceedings are always conducted in secrecy and under, you know, sword I'm looking for. That'll ah, come to me. But, um, and now we have these public hearings. Right. But we don't have time to go into how it's confusing to me. That the Republicans first complained there weren't public hearings and now are maybe complaining there are public hearings. I don't know about that. But, anywho. Oh, they're just complaining about it as a Just to have something to complain. Well, because they just don't think there's enough evidence. So why? It's, then it's they a, shouldn't care if there's not enough evidence. It's a circus and it's not necessary is what they would say. Well. This is all unnecessary. Yes, yes. Trying to... You know, uphold the Constitution is always terribly, terribly unnecessary. Okay, well, so there you have it, people. That's where we are with the impeachment inquiry. Mm -hmm. That's what you and I think about it. Yeah. I have a lot more reading to do. Yeah. I... And I have a lot more watching to do. There you go. I just feel like... I'm just curious to see what actually comes out of it. I am under no illusion that the Senate is going to remove Donald Trump. From office because I'm sure the vote will go largely along party lines, if not exclusively along party lines, and the Republicans control the Senate, and therefore they will not vote to remove him. Um, But there is an election next year, (coughs) and we will see which of these people is going to emerge as the Democratic nominee. And do you think... That somebody that is in the current running for president is going to accept a vice presidential nomination. Like, how often does that happen? Like, when Hillary won, did Tim Kaine, did he, was he running? And then, I'm, isn't this horrible? I can't remember either. Because Pence didn't run. He wasn't running for president. Trump just picked him. Yes. I feel, I'm trying to remember, like, in how many elections. So, for example... In 1980, when Reagan beat George H.W. Bush, George H.W. Bush was running for president and did not get the nomination. And then Reagan asked him to be his vice president. With Clinton, with Bill Clinton, I don't 
think that Al Gore was running for president. I think he picked him. So I just wonder, I wonder if whoever gets the nomination will pick someone who's been running and has visibility. Because mm. what could you see some pairings? Let's say... Oh, I'm not even going to speculate. That. Really? But that's so fun. Not yet. I need to narrow it down a little bit. <coughs> well, yeah. I just wonder if another old white guy gets the nomination. Will he pick... Who will he pick? Counterpart or yes. just a female counterpart? Yes, exactly. And would you want to be? I mean, there has historically, I think, been something to be said that you serve as the vice president, then you know you you run, you run and your party will probably yeah. nominate you. Um, so for some of these younger people, like doing a four or eight year stint as vice president might. Be useful to somebody as young as, like, Pete Buttigieg. Right. So, and actually, a lot of these people are young. Cory Booker's not that old. No. He's not. not. Amy Klobuchar is not that old. Mm -mm. And usually you pick your vice presidential candidate. That's why it was kind of weird that Clinton picked Al Gore as a running mate. I'm glad he invented the internet. Well, thank God, because how would we be doing this podcast without it? Right. Um, but think about it, because Bill Clinton was from Arkansas, and Al Gore was from Tennessee. Mm. Like, Hillary probably picked Tim Kaine, because, you know, Virginia, that uh, could be a good swing yeah, state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although, gosh, where was George H.W. Bush living when he was Reagan's vice presidential nominee? Connecticut? No or just idea. D.C. even at that point. I have no idea. I know, me neither. And then, I don't know. So, yeah, you try to pick somebody if you think, like, the swing state, if it might help you, I guess. I don't know. But we'll see. Right now, we know Bernie Sanders has the most money. Hmm. He's raised the most money overall, and he has the most money in the bank. But of the... Oh, but wait, don't forget. Well, currently, but if, if Bloomberg enters the race. Well, that's true. We were just looking at how current. much... Well, but also how much was raised by individual contributions. If Bloomberg enters, he'll probably put in a bunch of his own money, just like that other Oh, yeah, he's already styre. set aside $30 million. Which, again, then I'd like to point out, you know, if Trump is such a, you know, wealthy man, how come he didn't put forward... Really, any money loan his campaign any money well, or put for it because he, he doesn't have, have any. No, he was smart. He knew to to take, to use social media to get his his grassroots campaign going. I don't know that he raised. That's that really much how he, money. He didn't. He just really ran a great campaign. Mm. I hate to admit that, but he did. Um, he ran a successful yeah, campaign. That's all that matters. I guess, but at the end of the day, he's such a piece of crap. Okay, but they, you, have, you have to remove that for one second. Well, no, but that's how he got... I mean, I think a lot of the people that voted for him are also people that I might not want to... Not everybody, obviously, but I think people that support him, I've seen a lot of representations in the media, mm-hmm. you know, of the white supremacists and well. other various people... Like, if that's who he's reaching and persuading in social media, that scares me. 
It's very scary. I just don't want people to be so uh, violently hateful to people just because they aren't the same as them. That's a whole nother podcast. It is. I guess we can just say... Bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs> Depressing. Yeah. Hello? Hello. Is this thing on? Is this thing working? You wouldn't know if it were since it's been so long <laughs> since we've come together uh, right now. Right now. <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, I was going to break out into song. Come together right now. There you go. What's the rest of it? Over, Over me. me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you really shouldn't commit to things like that. If you can <laughs> don't know what you're doing, Babs. Oh my goodness, yes. So here we are, December 11th, and I'll, I'll lead you in, Riss, by okay. reading the front page title at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, House Democrats Unveil Articles of Impeachment. Top national story. <laughs> well, first off, I just want to say that I'm upset that you have not been as glued to the TV as I have. I know. I apologize for that. That's all right. I mean, someone's got to work. I just... <laughs> I want um, like a documentary series. I want it all edited together for me nicely, Mm -hmm. and then I will binge watch it. But until somebody does that, I can't watch coverage across all the channels. So let me ask this. Yes. Is it on demand? Can you go back and watch it? (sighs) I don't know that one, news programs you can go back and watch on demand. I'm going to have to research that, because then if it is, then maybe you can go back and watch it but the cool really, thing is, I want it edited for me. Right. I don't want to see all of it. I want to see mm. the highlights. Yes. But, however, I kept it on, like, all day. Uh-huh. And I would do things. Uh-huh. So I would just come in and out of the room. Like, if I thought, well, this isn't really that important. Yeah. But what I did feel was really great was how everybody um, who was, uh, they're not witnesses, so they're not technically asked to testify. What's the are. word? No, they're witnesses. No, they're not. Some oh, of them, I don't even know who you're talking some about. Of them are, some of them are and okay. some of them aren't. Like oh. some, of their, some of them were professors talking about... Oh, experts. Experts, maybe. excuse But they're me. still witnesses, but they're not witnesses to... Well, let me tell you something, because there was a big Uh-oh. brawl in that room. <gasps> it didn't come to fists. Okay. However, uh, it was very funny because... At one point, one of the Republicans said to Nadler, who was running it, uh, okay. um, I'd like to, you're not letting me cross-examine the witnesses, and blah, okay. blah, blah. And Nadler said, but they're not witnesses, and ah. there's no reason for you to okay. ask that question, and, and he right. shut him down. Right. So that's why some of them are, were, in fact, in the beginning of the hearings, they were witnesses. Yes. Or they thought they were. Well, if you're called to testify mm-hmm. and you're under oath, perhaps, uh, then you are a witness. Correct. But, if you're an expert, that's different. Yeah, I mean, usually experts, like in a courtroom, are expert witnesses, and they would also be sworn in. But yeah, in Congress, there could just be a different type of process where right. you gather information from people where this is not first. This is not information that is primary information like about the call with the president of Ukraine Correct. or something. Maybe it's something to do with the surrounding. Right. Context. So that's probably another reason why 
on because today's Wednesday Monday's hearings uh, that's probably why they were in a, a scuffle over it because these were not witnesses these were two lawyers um, making their closing statements on behalf of their party. So one was a Republican and right. one was a Democrat. Um, well, and again, I feel like in this case, because it's the Republicans who are in the minority and who are on quote unquote defense, I feel like they may be playing, maybe pandering a bit yeah. to the American public's lack of knowledge on how the proceeding works. So they're trying to make it look like the Democrats aren't allowing them to do something that they're entitled to do when in fact they aren't entitled to do it. Correct. So I don't like that. And I'm not saying that it's only the Republicans that do it. I'm just saying in this scenario, it is the Republicans doing it because they're the ones that are, you know, um, well, as I shared with you, I forget when this came out, what day specifically, but I have on my tablet the 300-page uh, report, the Trump-Ukraine Impeachment Inquiry Report, the report of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, pursuant to House Resolution 660, in consultation with the House Committee on Oversight and Reform and the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. 300 pages, and I'm going to have to read it all. I like to read things in print. We've talked right, about right. this before. I want to see <clears throat> primary sources. I would rather get my news from uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. I am very um, underwhelmed by television coverage, no matter it be liberal or conservative, because I'm just disappointed that I feel like they are shows now oh absolutely news correct and even the news isn't necessarily the news or it's such a small fraction and i don't like it i'm i was you know out of town over the weekend um i won't give too much identifying information even though this particular friend doesn't listen to our podcast but her husband said something i can't remember what came up oh no i do remember we were talking about um, the Trump administration cuts to the SNAP program. And you and I were discussing this the other day. I was mm. telling you, oh, yes. Come up over mm-hmm. the weekend, and I was asking your opinion. Um, and my friend's husband said something about um, CNN just being full of liars. And I said, <laughs> he said, all they do is lie. And I was like, well, in fairness, I'm like, you could say they all do the same thing. I would say so, that's a truthful statement. And you like what comes from your perspective, so you are more willing to forget that, Correct. right? Correct. So, um, because I was like, oh, this email I got from about this issue about the Trump administration cutting SNAP was very high level. And when you drilled down into it, it was like, oh, might have been more in. Interesting, not more interesting, but more helpful to hear what the specific cuts were. But anywho, yes, I have a 300 page report. So together, we will cover print and broadcast journalism. So let me ask a stupid question. That particular report, Mm -hmm. when did that come out? I can't remember the exact day, but this month, December. Okay. So So was it probably prior to the 
process the Im- impeachment proceedings no, no, or no, this is the report on it this is what oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. this is what they did so uh, just for example, the table of contents, there's an executive summary, a key findings of fact. Section one is the president's misconduct. Section two is the president's obstruction of the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry. So I'd say this is the underlying uh, data on which they built okay. their articles of impeachment. <clears throat> okay. So I want to, well, and it says, this report reflects the evidence gathered thus far by those committees as part of the impeachment. Okay, inquiry. so what I want you to do is when you read it, yeah. I want you to highlight the actual evidence of who heard what. Well, let's see if it actually... Because that was the whole thing with the Republicans. And they kept asking, were you there in the room? Well, no. Do you have actual evidence? Silence. So Okay, so do you remember? Yes. And this is something that the Republicans are also trying to do. Yes. Which, again, is to try to mislead the American people. Absolutely, I think, as to what the standard correct is. the standard yes, um, because under the whistleblower statute, which, as we know, the, it was a whistleblower that got this. I thought his name was out there. We talked about this. I know, and it's not because no one. Yeah, I think it's maybe not. it still isn't out there, which it should not be. Donald Trump Jr. thought he thought had he it. knew it or right. had it or shared it. I don't know, but or maybe he just thought he was speculating. Who knows? But um, just the fact that, and you and I talked about this too, and probably already on this podcast about how this is really more of like a grand jury type proceeding where the rules that would apply like in a trial are mm-hmm. not applicable here because you're actually trying to gather the evidence so it doesn't matter if somebody like we're gathering the information from you and perhaps in the future we will evaluate whether or not it matters that yours wasn't firsthand a lot of times under the law it doesn't matter right um and that's just the way the law has been drafted and here you know congress is dealing with specific executive um things but i want to see that so in here i mean i should be able to eventually answer your question which is i mean they've summarized the key findings of facts in here so there are let's say one two two and a half pages of key findings of fact okay so that's not that bad and it just says based on witness testimony and evidence collected during the impeachment inquiry the intelligence committee has found that um, so I don't know actually if it will. The, the, this part definitely doesn't have the names of the people who hmm. who testified so or participated. It has the names of the people who, you know, are part of Congress and the staff and the different committees. <clears throat> but okay. oh no, key people and entities. Sorry, that's where you have to scroll all the way down to page two hundred and ninety-three. <laughs> it's at the it's at the end the end oh my good god okay so yeah so i should be able to provide all of that and really i don't know how quickly they're going to move through this have have you seen any indication now that the articles are well i guess maybe i can read about it in the ajc yeah i as of this morning when i was watching the view and they were discussing it um they were talking about now that it's written or this information is ready to go now they have to move forward mm-hmm. but that's a whole 
Well, it has to be referred to the Senate for trial, and then the Senate is supposed to, I believe, legally be required to schedule a trial, but I don't trust but, Mitch McConnell to Well, do they're saying he's not going to do anything. He's just going to block it. Cause does saying, it... Frankly, he... All right, let's see. Um, all right, first of all, these are draft articles. Uh, so until anything is formalized, let's see. Second article. Um, all right, less than a year before the 2020 election, the action sets up a historic and highly partisan constitutional class between Trump and the congressional Democrats, one likely to have broad political implications for both parties and exacerbate the divisions of an already polarized nation. Um, let's see. White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham said Tuesday that Trump aides had expected House Democrats to unveil four or five articles of impeachment instead of two. Okay, that's fine. That's not telling us anything. After the articles of impeachment were announced, Republican lawmakers fanned out across congressional podiums, cable news, and social media to defend the president. Okay. I think this is funny. So this, I guess maybe it's the minority whip, Steve Scalise from uh, Louisiana. They're impeaching him because they're afraid he'll get reelected. That's abuse of power. Well, him getting impeached has nothing to do with him. He, no. But, I mean, he can, it doesn't. He's, it doesn't remove him. It doesn't remove him. And right. It mean he can't run for election. But uh, if it goes to trial, what does that mean? Well, that's even still. Well, first of all, if it goes to trial he and he's convicted by the Senate and yes. removed from office, it's actually a little bit unclear if you can't run for re-election because it's never been tested. Oh. They said, logically, you would think no because you've been removed for, you know damaging the office or committing. Well, you technically haven't been removed. Well, no, if he, if he was removed. Oh, okay. It's like, if he's removed, could he still run for... But how yeah. do you get removed then? I mean, even if... Oh, you're just... Because what... If you're impeached, that doesn't mean you're removed from Correct. office. But if you... It... If the Senate convicts you. Oh, okay. Yes, in okay. its trial. Um, but... That's a lot of information. I know. That's too much information. And this article did not give me anything. I just wanted to know when they thought they were going to be... Um, like you said, I guess filed. Right. Right? So, I guess we won't know until we know. But it would be nice. You'd think that would be... Oh, wait. Here's a tiny little front page under the fold. What's next? The House Judiciary Committee plans to vote on the articles, the equivalent of a formal charge on Thursday. So that's tomorrow. Tomorrow, right. The full House is expected to vote next week. Okay. If approved, the charges would then be sent to the Senate. And that's where Mitch McConnell comes in. Yes. And really, if he doesn't call, if he doesn't set or hold a trial, mm -hmm. I mean, I believe he will be in violation of something, whether it's some specific congressional procedure, rule. Oh, this is getting good now. Or actually some law. Like, I wonder if he could be removed from office for refusing to And I'd be all right with that. Trial. Oh, God, I know. I know we don't want to... Um, He's not on my favorite list of Republicans. We, we don't want to, in, in the holiday spirit, wish, you know, openly wish ill on him. But, no. I mean, I think we can all say across the globe, there are some people who would not be missed. 
should they no longer be on the globe? Well, and but I wouldn't think that of him personally. Maybe some other people. Oh, I wouldn't miss him. I, I, but I would never want anything ill to bad to happen to him. Is what I'm saying. There are yeah. some, uh, other people. I, if it did, that would just be how things happen. Oh gosh. You don't have not, to. Let's not act like that in the holiday spirit. Come on now. That's what I said. But I just said. After the I, holiday spirit. Oh, thank you. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Anyway. Anywho. Okay. So that's good. All right. Now that we know, we know that. It's happening. It's coming. Up next. Up next. We really have nothing left to talk about then for. That's our update on the impeachment. What we know yes. about the impeachment inquiry. So. I think I'm Thank just going to end this here. And again, so we may have provided no information of value to I anyone. I think that was valuable. <laughs> We're a little disorganized, but welcome to our world. Yep. Okay, cool. Bye for now. Bye. This has been a season two episode of a walk in the park podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple podcasts or Google play to rate review and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on our social media accounts on Twitter. That's at a wit podcast on Facebook. You can find our, a walk in the park, Facebook page by searching at a wit podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at a walk in the park podcast. We'd love to hear from you.